The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. We're in Acts chapter 16, and I have a very interesting title for the message tonight. It's two names. The title of the sermon tonight is Timothy and Lydia. So we're going to hear some stories out of the book of Acts that tell us about Timothy. I'm sure you've heard of Timothy and Paul and Timothy uh, were a dynamic duo that turned the world upside down. Where did Timothy come from? How did he enter into the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul? And a woman whose name is Lydia. Uh, so we're going to talk about discipleship. We're going to you know, give an encouragement to all of those who are called, because uh, we're all called to make disciples. But we also, there's a special message for all of my beautiful sisters in the Lord, through Lydia, how God's hand was upon this woman's life. And if I may say, in the name of Jesus, we're living in the days where we need the Lydias of this generation to arise, unashamed, unafraid, bold, ready to change the world with their love and passion, for God has prepared their heart for such a time as this. Can I hear an amen, Lydias, out there? Amen. Okay, let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 16. We're going to look at uh, verses 1 through 15. And let's bow our heads and pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, how we welcome you, how we come. Lord, we're right now by faith. I am reaching out with my hands and laying. Uh, a hold of the hands of all of my brothers and sisters in your house, Lord, that, that are listening, uh, whether by radio or watching by, you know, being online, but together, Lord, I'm bringing them before your heavenly throne. What an awesome and amazing reality. This is really true, not mere wishful thinking. But I bring them as the pastor here at Maranatha Chapel and a shepherd, and I bring this flock, I bring them into your throne room. And you are very aware, with your spirit, Lord, you, your eyes are fastened upon each one. You have noted that they are listening, that they have you know, been praying, then worshiping, and now ready to hear the voice of the Lord. So I pray that tonight, surely we'll, we will grow in our knowledge and understanding and learn the, you know, the background, the history, what was happening in the early church. But I also pray that we will be listening for that still, small voice of the Spirit that will take something tonight. It may be one point. It may be a verse. It might be, a, a, you know, kind of telling the story or some form of application. But Lord, there is something that's going to jump out tonight. It's going to be a living, burning coal from the altar before your throne. And it's going to ignite uh, a fire and a connection. And Lord, that, that we as your sheep, there's nothing we desire more than to hear our daddy's voice, to give us clarity, Lord, to give us direction. Uh, to give us divine revelation, the opening of our eyes, uh, to see life and our circumstances through the lens of the heavenly scene. Lord, we, you know that we're down here and we are praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We cannot wait for you to come. We cannot wait and we pray and long for your kingdom to come and for your will to really be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the meantime, we long for you. We desire you. We need you. And Lord, there are many, you know, many of us that are weary. Uh, this world very, very easily can wear a child of God out. We know that we battle with the world uh, and the tide of the world and the flesh, which is weak. Uh, and on top of all that, we have an enemy that's constantly, you know, battling and trying to throw fiery darts of lies and accusations. So, oh Lord, our God, our Father, we need a word tonight 
a word that will literally bring the light and the warmth and the glory of heaven in, and to shine upon our hearts and our souls. Lord, that will lift us out of the miry clay as King David so beautifully wrote in the Psalms and set our feet upon a rock, a firm foundation. Lord, where we find strength and we're nourished, uh, we're encouraged, we're edified and built up. We find renewed strength and hope and courage. And Lord, extra energy now in the spirit, we're ready to run, run for your pleasure and for your glory. So we commit all these things in your hands in Jesus, wonderful, mighty name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Man, I'm already on fire and I just prayed. So anyway. All right. <clears throat> verses, uh, Acts chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. So this is after, if you weren't here last week, uh, we're about in the midway point of the book of Acts, telling us a very important story of the original early church and the move of God in the beginning. So they had a big meeting in Jerusalem called the Jerusalem Council because there were some more legalistic uh, Jews that kind of mentioned chapter 15 of a Pharisaic background that said, hey, it's too easy for these Gentiles that are just hearing the message of the gospel and getting saved and it's hard to be saved. You know, you've got to get circumcised, you've got to follow the law and they had a big kerfuffle about it and they brought everybody together and uh, fortunately, thankfully, Acts chapter 15 records the decision of the apostolic council. They said, no. All these Gentiles that are pouring in do not need to get circumcised for the men and then you know, put themselves under the yoke of the law, which is really 613 commandments, to be saved. But by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, they shall be saved even as we Jews are saved. So now we pick up in verse one, verses one and two, chapter 16. Then he came to Derby and Lystra. So it's talking about Paul's journey because last week we saw that Paul and Barnabas at the end split over John Mark. So then he came to Derby and Lystra, this would be Paul, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy. So this is the first time that a young man named Timothy who will become quite important in the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul. Uh, in fact, half of Paul's letters, I think he wrote 12 or 13 letters, half of his letters in the very beginning always say, and Timothy greets you. He was his uh, beloved son, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, so his mom is Jewish, and became a believer in Jesus, but his father was Greek. So you have a mixed marriage. And so one side is Jewish and the mom becomes a believer. All it says about the father is he was a Greek. And it says he was, I mean, it doesn't say much about him. So we assume he was not a believer. So I know that there are some of you um, that come maybe from homes where you know, either mom or dad, one was saved, one is not saved. So you've experienced that. Or bringing two, you know, talk about Jew and Gentile, uh, you know, a Greek and Jewish, sometimes, we, you know, opposites attract, they're brought together, but it also can create confusion for the next generation. So what am I? Am I Jewish? Am I Greek? Who am I and what am I? But Timothy followed his mom and became a believer in Jesus. So apparently, uh, his mom, as well as Timothy himself, became believers. They were Jews already, but they became believers when the Apostle Paul last came through uh, the city of Lystra, which by the way, that's the last time Paul was in Lystra, he had been stoned. So, but he goes back. The son of a certain Jewish woman who believed his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren. So this young, this was a young man who had a lot going for him. He was not only a believer, but he had quite a reputation as being a godly, spiritual, you know, sincere, uh, passionate young man uh, who were at Lystra and Iconium. So here's what I wanna say, kind of our first uh, point in the outline. It is time to invest in the next generation. And thus, you know, linking Paul with Timothy. So Paul has not been to Lystra for five years. The last time he went to Lystra, the first time, shared the gospel. Uh, 
Timothy's mom became a believer. She was Jewish, but she said, yes, Jesus must be the Messiah. Timothy also became a believer. And, but Paul's memory was he had been stoned. So Paul's been gone for five years. Now he is going back to the places he had originally gone and started all these churches to find out how are the new believers doing? How are the churches doing? And to his great joy, he found that they are still believers. They're still growing. They're still sharing their faith. There's a vibrant church that is actually moving forward. So maybe the best thing that happened from the first tour of the Apostle Paul was the addition of Timothy, who could now replace John Mark. You remember John Mark went with his uncle uh, Barnabas. So Paul needs another young guy to travel with him as a protege. Um, and Paul calls Timothy later, my beloved son. So here's the situation. What, I want to say this. Look, everybody look up here for just a second. So this is called not only church, but this is the family of God. In the family of God, all of you guys are my brothers and I'm your brother. And all of you ladies out there, you're my sister. And so we get a chance because we all have our own families some saved, some unsaved, some half and half, some all saved, some none saved. So we all have that background. But what's interesting is when we come into the house of the Lord, we kind of get a new family where we can begin to adopt as God leads different uh, people, men and women that, that God will bond with your heart. So you get more brothers. Now you can't, so we have many brothers here. You can't hang out with everybody. But God will knit certain brothers to you for your growth and encouragement. And uh, so something that, that I would like to encourage you to do is when God shows you someone that's very special and, and God has brought them into your life and you like them and you like spending time with them, say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of adopting you. I know you're my brother in Christ, but I adopt you as my brother in the Lord. I enjoy you, I like you, I like hanging out with you, and I adopt you as God's put us together, at least for this season, to, let's pray for one another, encourage one another, pray for you know, all of the different things. Can I hear an amen on that? And may I also say, not only do you get some new brothers and sisters that'll be closer to you, because Jesus had the 12, but he had the three inside the 12, right? So there are some that are gonna be closer to you. We also get new fathers. And we also get new moms that you can kind of adopt as role models that maybe weren't there at all or maybe not in a godly sense or a spiritual sense or maybe it was even unhealthy. So it's a way that the family of the body of Christ, Messiah, is a family. It's not a business. It's not an enterprise. It's not, you know, heaven is not corporate. It's the family of God. It's sons and daughters who have a royal identity, who are to love one another and, and to uh, you know, share in this glorious royalty and calling and identity. But I wanna say that God will, and sometimes it has to be the, you know, the, the child that says, I like you, I adopt you as a new role model to be my dad. Or I adopt you as a godly woman. Maybe you've come from a place where there was no godly anything, and, and so you're, but you get saved, you're ten, tenderhearted, and the gospel touches you and you come in, and so I'm just saying to you that this is an opportunity as you walk with the Lord to adopt uh, and be led by the Spirit new role models that God can use to bring healing and encouragement and love so that, and by the way, if you did come from a unhealthy background, then to all of you especially, hear my word to you now, you will be the chain breaker in your genealogy. You be the one that says, no more. Whatever the, the, the bad stuff was, and you all know what that kind of stuff can be, you say, not me, not with my house, not with my family, not with my kids or my friends. I'm going a different way. I am following the Lord. As for me and my house, 
we're gonna follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So Paul was thinking of the future when he adopted, if I may use that language, to disciple this young man, Timothy. And I believe it is so important to invest in the next generation and, and in young people because we need to pass our faith on to the younger and to the next generation because they will be carrying on while we are carried off. <laughs> If you know what I mean. Anyway. So verse, let's go on to verses uh, three through five. Okay, now I moved my... Okay, beginning in verse three. It says that Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him, and, this is interesting, circumcised him. Right after chapter 15, where they made this big decision, you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. Next thing you know is he meets a young guy, Timothy, half Jewish, mom's Jewish. He goes, okay, let's go get circumcised. <laughs> I wonder if Timothy got a copy of the letter and said, hey, wait a second, I want to talk about this. But anyway. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, meaning they were probably very maybe a Pharisee background, legalistic background, whatever, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So it's kind of like, okay, Paul's picked his protege uh, to help him minister, and he's gonna be ministering in both Greek places and also Jewish places, but if Paul, or if Timothy's not circumcised, it's going to hinder his capacity, because he's already, you know, half bad because he's only half Jewish. So Paul is wanting to make the most of an opportunity. They knew that his father was a uh, Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. That's the letter that we talked about last week. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. So here's what I want to just say about verses three through five. It is important to use our freedom, so we're free. All you Gentiles, you're free. You don't have to get circumcised. You don't have to come under the yoke of the law. We're saved by grace through faith. But we need to use our freedom with wisdom. Now, immediately this seems like, wait a second, you're contradicting uh, the Jerusalem decision. They just said we don't have to get circumcised and now he is doing it. But I want to say that that freedom to not get circumcised, if you were really free, means you are free to get circumcised if you so choose. And Timothy feels the call of God and he has a, uh, an apostle who literally has seen the glorified Jesus and had a personal divine revelation on the road to Damascus. The resurrected, glorified, ascended Messiah, Jesus, called this guy Paul. And Paul's saying, hey, young man, I want you to be my second. I want you to be with me. God's called me to bring this message to Jew and Gentile all around the Roman world. Wow, what an honor. So I think that Timothy was, you know, he would have said, okay, Paul, whatever you, whatever you feel would be best. And Paul, now it's interesting, at, at another point, Paul tells another young guy whose name is Titus, who's also Jewish, and he says, I don't want you to get circumcised. For whatever reason, wherever Titus was and in his area, there were Jews that were saying, see, you have to get you know, circumcised. So Paul's like, yeah, well, Titus, he's Jewish. And I tell you, Titus, don't get circumcised. Just to show them they can't make this legalistic thing. It's been decided. That's not, if, if the area is gonna think that getting circumcised or doing works is tied to your salvation, Paul's gonna be, no, not gonna happen. But in this area, there were apparently Jews who accept, they were believers in Jesus, who were from a more orthodox background, but that said, you know, with Paul, um, hey, we understand this is not our, uh, it's not about salvation. But Paul, where we would like to take you and some of the people uh, of influence in the Jewish community in these cities in Europe is basically where Paul's going, it would really help if Timothy was circumcised, not for salvation, but just it would help 
you know, so we don't have to keep talking about this issue. We can actually talk about the things that are important in the message of the gospel. And Paul's like, you know what? I'm good with that. We're free. You're, we're free and you're free to get circumcised. We will make the point. It's not a basis of salvation. We're not earning anything. So free means that we have choices. We are free in Christ and you, we have tremendous freedom. But having said that, I want to also then say, with this glorious freedom we have in Christ, we're not under legalism and law, we must be led with wisdom how to use that freedom. Am I using my freedom that will benefit people uh, and groups of people and open doors for me? Or, or am I doing things to you know, get out of religious duty obligation and, and rules? Oh my goodness, how many people are there and, and the, the, they have a big problem and their big problem is with religion, their big problem is with church, their big problem is with religious people. They love Jesus, but they can't stand the church because of all the legalists and the rules and, and things that had nothing to do with salvation that offended them and now they're out and they're very vulnerable. So I think that... Uh, I want to just encourage us here that we need to use spiritual wisdom how to apply the principles of God's word and the freedom that we have. Make sure you use your freedom in Christ in a way that blesses others, that encourages others, that is honoring to the Lord, uh, that will you know, bless the people and make it easier for you to be a light to them about Jesus. So Timothy traveled with Paul and, was, and became his special ambassador because he's going to be with him for a long time, many, many years. And as Paul started, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but Paul did not just make one missionary journey with ships uh, around basically the Mediterranean. So he touched all of Europe. He, he lit an entire continent on fire with the gospel. Um, and so he, he would have certain areas that were trouble spots for various reasons. One might be legalism, another might be other issues. And, and so Timothy became such a model of Paul's way of thinking, way of living the gospel, way of relating it, whether to Jew or Gentile, that Paul could say, hey, I'm sending Timothy, for instance, to the church in Corinth in Greece because he knows my mind, he knows the way I think, and you guys are having some issues in the church, it's creating some problems, and he actually wrote a couple of letters, there were a lot of issues that needed to be dealt with. Corinth was, they were believers, but they were extremely immature, they had all kinds of weird stuff going on, immorality, the way they were doing the gifts, and, and so Paul is like, I'm sending Timothy, and he's gonna help bring you guys some health and some balance. So that's, that's what we see developing here. And so my encouragement to you, have you, and starting with your own children, uh, but if it's beyond them, do you have a Timothy? Uh, or you know, do you have a Tiffany, let's call her, uh, a younger woman that you are mentoring, investing in, discipling, pouring into? So be open to that. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Okay. Now, look with me in verses six and seven. In verses six and seven, it says, now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Oh, this is very interesting. So I want to say this. You know, there are times where you're, it seemed good, you know, and, and Paul had a heart for Asia, the continent of Asia. And Paul's like, I want to go there and I want to bring the gospel and I want to talk about Jesus. And, and I've heard stories about Asia. They're wonderful people and I love the, the culture and it's been, you know, kind of been outside the, the, the circle of influence of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and it's new territory, let's head there. And he starts to head there, and the Holy Spirit blocks him. He is forbidden, look at that, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. 
And so then, you know, when they'd come to Mysia, they, they wanted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So what is Paul doing? Paul is, you know, he's following, I know I've got to bring the gospel to the world, and he's following the next logical place. And it seemed like the next step of faith, you know, Asia, I've heard a lot about it. I want to head in that direction. But the Holy Spirit would not let him go. How? He shut the door. Okay? Now, how did the Holy Spirit shut the door for Paul to go to Asia? The author, which is Luke, doesn't tell us. I don't know. We can you can imagine 10 different things and all of them could be a possibility. We just don't know. The point is, and the, the application for us is, he did what he thought would be the next best thing. This is logical. Let's go. They need what we have, the gospel. I'm ready to go. I'm excited about it. And the Lord closed the doors. So how, this is how we learn uh, you know, we're, we're no different than the Apostle Paul. There are times where you're like, well, God's been leading me this, he's been blessing me with this, and I have this understanding. I know of this area, I'd like to go there or move there or have influence there. It's all for the Lord, it feels good, it seems right, let's go, and then bam, God closes the door. And you, I'm, you've all experienced closed doors. When the door is closed, now, does that mean when God closes the door, God doesn't want Paul to go to Asia ever, or he doesn't want you know, the gospel to go and change those people? No, but for some reason that we are not told, maybe it was just not now, not the right time. And I've got other things, and in fact, there's a greater need and I'm sending you in a different direction. Now here's something very, very interesting because this is a very pivotal point uh, for the gospel, this, you know, if Jerusalem is the center of the world and now it's got to go around the whole world, eventually to reach billions of people over 2,000 years, they wanted to go east or Asia and instead God shuts the door, uh-uh. You're going to go west. And what's west? Europe. So you can do a study of 2,000 years of church history and basically find the gospel while well, it started in the Middle East and it started in Israel and it started in Jerusalem, began to make its way west through Europe and Paul had three missionary journeys around the Mediterranean, planting strong churches there. So then the west, you know, on unto North America and then the gospel moved to South America, revivals and then all of a sudden it moved over to Africa and then finally really within the last century in a huge way, the biggest, fastest part of the church in the planet is Asia. And I don't know if you knew this, but the Asians may have the, the, one of the largest populations of actual born again believers and brothers and sisters on the planet. And guess what? They have caught as a vision. They said, we believe that for whatever reason, this is how God designed that the gospel would really, you know, not that it didn't go east, it did through India and, and uh, Thomas and it made its way. But in a way, it was like a fire that started going west and it went all around the world. It's come now all the way back to Asia and Asia's uh, missionaries with a heart for that are saying, you know what? We have, are, are the last leg of this race around the world by continent kind of the fourth leg of the race, we got the baton and now we're running. We're the last leg from Asia through the 1040 window. If you've ever heard of the 1040 window, uh, we're the very needy place. And they said, and we're gonna plant the flag of the gospel back in Jerusalem from where it all started from. Does that sound good? So we're, we're, we're kind of watching and praying and cheering and, you know, wow, they're running, you know, like chariots of fire. They're running the last leg of the race and going into many places, honestly, many countries that because of political reasons, sign up Mr. You know, American you know, Christian, uh, no, you're not welcome in this country. And you stick out like a sore thumb and we don't like you guys and we don't like who you are and what you represent and your politics and we don't like anything about you. But a person from China can go in and they go, we're totally with the Chinese and we like the Chinese 
and we don't feel threatened by the Chinese. And so they were able to go, whether students, whether businessmen or women, uh, in all kinds of ways, and they don't bring a disturbance and there's no fight, and they are there, but there are many of them that are there as prayer warriors representing with whatever else they have, they are there as ambassadors of the love and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they say, we have been called to go to the places no one else in the world can go, that China's allowed to go, and then we're gonna go through the 1040 window, and our last goal is to join our brothers and sisters that are there in the land of Israel, and then we pray, Lord, come. Amen? Hallelujah. So, how, so if God closes the door, how do you hear his voice? I wanna say this, sometimes the Lord does not reveal his will until after we have made a decision, I'm going this way, and then it's a closed door, so you're like, okay now, Lord, what do I do? And this is where God begins to fine tune your heart. When you have been going in a direction, and, and all of a sudden, the door gets closed in front of you and you're standing at the closed door, you can't force it open, stand there and just say, okay, Lord, I need to hear your voice. Obviously, you're doing something I didn't know and that's fine, speak to me and hear me. And if there's anybody here tonight that you're at a place where you just, you've got a big closed door and you're wondering what should I do, just don't panic, don't be afraid, God's gonna give you direction, but here's what I believe he's going to do. You're going to hear his voice, but his voice is going to come behind. The Holy Spirit comes from behind you and he will reveal himself. The Holy Spirit is sometimes the voice behind. So look with me at Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, a very interesting verse. And let's read this verse out loud together. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. In other words, just close your eyes and be listening and okay, close door. I guess I got to go somewhere else. And he goes, okay, now go to the left. Okay, you, there's an openness. Obviously, God directs us one of two ways. If it's closed door, don't keep, you know, butting your head against it. But he says, hey, there's an open door over here. These people over here, they don't want nothing you have. <laughs> the people over here are going, where have you been? I've been waiting for you. Go through the open door and hear the voice of the Lord behind you saying, yes, it's here. Oh, but here, but with these people or in this lane. And he will give you that direction. It's like, it's a voice. It's the Holy Spirit. And I find it interesting sometimes, what, what does it mean he's behind me? He's with you, but it's hidden, and he's giving you direction, and as you follow his voice, it will become clear to you as time moves on. So I love that. I love that the Holy Spirit did not immediately tell Paul, hey, don't, don't even think about going to Asia. He didn't tell him anything. He tried to go, and then God closed the door. And then when Paul accepted the closed door, then he heard the voice, and the Lord say, no, now I want you to go instead of that way to Asia, I want you to go the opposite way. I want you to go to Europe because I'm gonna light that place on fire with my Holy Spirit and the world will never be the same. So it should be comforting to know that even the apostles were not always clear as to what God's will was for their ministries. They too experienced what we experience, which is closed doors or open doors. All right, look with me in verses eight through 10. I wanna follow up on that by saying this, never be discouraged by closed doors. Just keep moving forward. So beginning in verse uh, eight, it says, and so passing by Mysia, they came to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia which was toward Europe, and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. <laughs> so I love this. Notice that Paul, what did he do? He didn't sit down and get discouraged and, and you know, pout. He kept moving. He was not allowing closed doors to discourage him. So as your pastor, 
I'm, in, I'm encouraging you, do not let any closed doors so discourage you that you just sit down and stop moving forward or trying. Keep moving forward. Follow the Lord. And guess what happened as Paul was, Paul was like, okay, I accept that. I'm not gonna force my way to go in that direction. What does he get? A vision. He gets a new vision. So if you will leave the closed doors, go in a different direction and start looking for the open doors and the Holy Spirit will guide you. Okay, this open door, maybe there's two open doors. So Lord, which open door? He'll guide you. Go to this one over here. Not that, even though it's open, not the best. Okay, so you go through the open door. And then as you go through that open door, he will give you a vision. He'll begin, all of a sudden things will start coming like a picture in your mind. I don't know what you think of when you hear or think about a vision, but visions, um, God uses your imagination. I wanna, I wanna um, say this, you know the scripture that says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Did you know that one of the definitions of the word mind, that we're to love God with all of, in Greek, the word mind can mean your imagination. We were made with the gift of being able to imagine. Uh, now, we're not talking about imagination of false things. Everything that the Bible describes, which it describes heaven, the throne of God. We've never been there, we've never seen it. But it's described, the throne, the lamb, uh, the crystal sea or whatever, whatever's in the Bible, God can use your imagination because it's, it's not fake, it's not making it up, it's real. But what I'm saying to you is, you're made that way, God gave you an imagination and God can inflame your imagination, he can give you, you know, and it's different for every individual. Your, my imagination, I have a wild imagination. I, you know, sometimes I'm telling you guys stories and I'm laughing and I don't really explain you go, what is he laughing at? It's, it's what's going on in my head. And it's not, you don't get it or you're, you don't maybe think it's funny, but I'm like, I'm, I'm going here because I'm seeing it and it's hilarious. If you could only be in my head and see what I'm seeing. But God gave us, everybody has that. We start when we're little children and by the way, God uses that. Jesus pointed to little children and said, of such is the kingdom of heaven. In many ways, the enemy comes to crush that imagination or darken it or get it on, obviously, to use your imagination for evil things or wicked things. And, and he, he brings uh, all kinds of darkness to it. But it's healthy to you know, use what God has given to us for things that are pure and the things that are of the Lord and the things that are real in the spiritual realm. And all of a sudden, God can use your imagination. And all of a sudden, you say, okay, these people, they, they like me, they read my resume, whatever, and I feel like, I don't know, I just feel like it's open here, like they're, they're not against me, they kind of like me for some reason, I have favor with them. That's another way of the sign of the Lord is you have favor and people are like looking at you and smiling and you go, wow, I think we're gonna be really blessed by having you here, and they don't even know what's going on. And as you're thinking about it, you go, you know, you get involved and you start whatever you're doing and then you get ideas like, wow, I could help them here or I could help them there. You're using your, your imagination, your gifts, your calling, your anointing, and you're thriving. So I love that. I, I think that it's very, uh, very precious that God can do that. He can give to you a vision that has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes God's help comes to us by divine revelation when we're giving him all of our thoughts and he gives us what I call visual aids. <laughs> it's like God saying, here, let me just show you. And for it, sometimes God can do a download in just a few moments where you, you have these thoughts and ideas and you're like, oh my gosh, I, I, don't, I didn't even, I, I didn't make this, it, it just kind of came, it's like a download. Well, if we can do downloads on earth with knowledge and information, how much more can our Father give you a download in a flash, in a moment, or in a vision? So here's Paul, and it's like he's thinking about Europe, maybe he's praying, how am I gonna do this? And then all of a sudden, he sees a, a man who's desperate, who is saying, everything we have 
from Rome and Greek culture is not right. It's not enough. We want the living God. Help us find the truth. There's a man representing all of Europe, a continent, and he's crying out, help, who will show us the way and the truth? Paul's like, me, I got it. I've got what you're looking for. I know who the Messiah is. I know the Savior. I've seen him. And you're looking and you're open. Man, I can't wait to meet this guy. Well, that man was in a vision representing a continent of people that once Paul came city by city and town by town, they're like, this is what we've been looking for. This is what we've been waiting for. This confirms to us this. We knew there was something that we didn't have and we didn't know what it was until you came and that's it. And we're in and we believe and we're ready to learn and grow and walk with the Lord. And it's a beautiful thing. The same thing happened with Abraham. Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 and 15. Let's read it out loud. But think now in light of God giving us vision and giving Paul a vision that God's always done this. And here's kind of how he does it. Here's from the father, our father in the faith. Let's read it out loud. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot, had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, north, south, east, west. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. I love that. God said, lift up your eyes and look. Okay, I'm looking. To the north, God says, it's yours. Look over here. Everything you can see, it's yours. Look the other way, that's yours. Turn around as far as you can see. I give it all to you. He said, I want, just look at it. As, whatever you see, as far as you can see to the horizon, I give it to you. God, you know, so he had that in Abraham's mind as he's praying north, south, east, and west. Lord, let this land glorify you. Let the families and the children that are born here in this land for a possession, for your people, be a light to the Gentiles and to the nations of the world of a people who walk with their God, who fall under the blessing of the Lord God to give up their idols and to follow the way and the life and the truth. Amen. I want to just say, and I'm not going to go into any of them, but my own personal experience has been that God has given me visions of a church. I never could envision this, but I did have a vision of people that were hungry for God, who were unashamed and unafraid and just wanted to worship him with their heart and spirit and in truth at a vision of a school. It wasn't what it is now. It's grown far bigger than what I could have imagined. But I was like, you know what? Lord, if we could have one class of kindergartners, a handful or so. And you know what, we scrounged up eight. But I had a vision, I said, you know, I, I, Lord, I believe this is of you that we would have a school. Yeah, we can teach them reading, writing, and arithmetic, but I wanna incorporate Jesus and, and the, you know, the, the spiritual aspect of life and everything else that they would learn. Guess what, probably next year, we're gonna have over a thousand children at our schools. It started with a, you know, I'm thinking, dreaming, praying, hoping, and a vision. God says, look, and never be afraid to start small. It's not like you have to start and be able to imagine, oh, whatever, this big deal. It can be, I don't care if there's two or three, but I have an idea and I believe it would honor you, so do it. So plant the seed and let God multiply it. Amen? Okay, well, let's close with verses 11 through 15. And I'm gonna I'll just give you the last uh, point here. Every Paul needs a Lydia. We're gonna be introduced, our last point here is about Lydia, it's about all my sisters, my beautiful sisters and the Lord. It says, therefore, um, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi. Now, 
you don't know maybe these names, but I want you to land on Philippi. That's like New York. That's the Big Apple right there, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia and a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. So they went to the big place. They kind of went to the New York of Europe at that time, was a place called Philippi. And several days, they're just, okay, Lord, we're waiting on you. We're praying, we're ready to go, but we want to get direction. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. So she's Jewish, uh, or she's Gentile, but she's believing in the God of, of the Jewish people, and she's a God worshiper. But the Lord, as she hears about Jesus through Paul, opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. She went, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know what? I got it. I get it. I'm in. I believe in this Jesus. And when she and her household were baptized, she's like, I want to identify with that Jesus of Nazareth. I am now his forever. And begged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And so she persuaded us. So real quick, I want to just close with this. Philippi was a Roman colony, which means it was a Rome away from Rome. If you were born in Philippi, its citizen possessed all the rights and all the privileges of Rome itself. So it's a huge city, let's call it the, the Big Apple, the, the New York of that part of, the, of Europe. So it's got a lot of people, big. But it had so few Jewish people, they didn't have a synagogue. You had to have at least 10 Jewish men in ancient times to constitute a acceptable synagogue, you had to have 10 men called a minion. And if you didn't have 10 men, then uh, you couldn't call it a synagogue. So if there were still less than 10 Jews, they would go down by the river and they would there gather and talk and they would pray. So um, that's, that's what they were doing. So they went down, let's go down by the river. Maybe there's a small group. And when they got there, they're all women. And one of the women there's name is Lydia. Now Lydia was a big time player in the city of Philippi. She was uh, wealthy. She had a big house, seller of purple. So, you know, without going into all the details, that was like, whoa, you sell that purple and that's where all the women from the Roman deal and the Greek culture, they want that purple. And you got that purple in your house, woo! You're, you know, New York. You're, you're Fifth Avenue. So she had a lot of money and she has a house, but she was a believer and God touched her heart. And then she goes, I'm getting baptized. I'm with Jesus. And that means my family is getting baptized and my family is now with Jesus. My house is now Jesus' house. So you, Paul and Timothy and whoever else, Silas, you stay, I got plenty of rooms. I'll feed you, I'll clothe you, I'll take care of you. You come to my house. And so they're like, wow, you know, Jesus said, go to the man of peace in the city. And if they receive you, bless them. You know, it's like, wow, we, we've got a leader who is now respected in the business community and she's a voice. And now she's going to begin using that voice about, hey, you guys here in Philippi, you think Rome's big and bad. Wait till you hear about this guy, Jesus of Nazareth. My life has changed. My family has been changed. All the love and joy and hope and peace I could have ever dreamed of literally came to my house. A man of miracles and wonders who rose from the dead has come to our city and he came through our house. And so God's hand is upon her and they start, Paul literally starts a church in this businesswoman's house. And that one house in Philippi, the Roman colony, starts a church that lights a fire that goes from Philippi to city after city, country after country, and burns until finally, literally, Rome, the Roman Empire, is on fire within a couple of hundred years 
Rome comes crumbling down, but the church of Jesus Christ rises from that and begins to change virtually that entire part of the world. Can I hear an amen on that? But here's the last deal that I want to share with you. Paul, earlier, closed door. Mm. Okay, Lord, where do you want me to go? Go this way. Here's a voice behind him. God gives him a vision. A man from Macedonia, representing the entire continent of Europe, the man from Macedonia turned into a woman named Lydia. He saw a man, but the answer to his prayer and heart was a woman. So what I wanna say is sometimes you see something, you have an idea, you go in a direction, God may change it up on you a little bit. And it may go in a different direction than you had even imagined. So I wanna close with this, real quick. Number one, every Paul needs a Lydia. And there may be some woman that is listening to this message somewhere, you have influence, you have wealth, you have, I don't know, whatever you have, you're like a Lydia, but you are locked into the Lord Jesus Christ. And I wanna to speak to you right now in the name of Jesus, everything that you have, whatever it's wealth, influence, connections, whatever, God gave it to you. Your heart is already aligned with, you know, this is what I've been looking for. Because when everybody, they get, you get successful and then you go, okay, so what's next? It's not meaningful anymore. A little bit more of the same things or more of what somebody else doesn't have, you know, it doesn't satisfy. So you're like, no, I need my spirit to come alive. So I wanna say this, every Paul needs a Lydia. <laughs> I wanna also say every man needs a woman. And I wanna close with this, without a woman, there would be no Jesus. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> Period. So this is the time, this is the day, this is the hour that I, I, I don't know how to do it except be as simple and blunt as I can. In the name of Jesus, I wanna speak life and encouragement into every woman. It, you know, Look, it started with her house but it, it ended up becoming a fire that influenced an entire continent. It's not like you have to be, do something or be big. It means that rather than you've been looking and waiting and not doing anything specific for the Lord and now you're like, I'm in. I don't care how small it is, whether two or three, I'm starting, I'm investing, I'm recognizing, I'm honoring the Lord and may God use this for his kingdom and glory. And I believe there are many, many Lydias. We thought we needed more men from Macedonia. And God says, you need more Lydias from Philippi because I'm gonna light a fire through them that's gonna change the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.